Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 107. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I'm really excited to introduce a very special guest, Pete Vack. Pete, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I sure am. All right. It's great to have you here. Pete Vack is a writer, a book author, an editor, and a publisher who's had hundreds of articles published in magazines such as Road & Track, Automobile Quarterly, Auto Week, Vintage Motorsport, and Sports Cars International. He's the author of two best-selling books and has owned a long list of classic cars. Pete has raced vintage alphas, and he's worked at Ferrari of Washington as a mechanic. He co-established the first print-on-demand automobile publishing house and 14 years ago established the Italian and French online magazine VelociToday.com. And all this in his spare time while working as a network engineer for AT&T and Telebs and raising his family. So, Pete, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a little time and share some more about your history, your career, Veloce Today, your interests, and, of course, your passion for automobiles. Well, thank you, Mark, and I really appreciate this opportunity to be on your your podcast. Um, You're welcome. Yeah, with me, things just happened bang, bang, bang right away. Uh, my dad was a huge influence. Uh, in 1950, when I was three, so that pretty well dates me, <laughs> I, was helping, yeah, I was helping him work on his Pierce Arrow. Well, I thought I was helping him work on his <laughs> Pierce Arrow. You know, I you know, don't know much at three, but I knew a wrench from a screwdriver. Uh, when I was seven, I was writing letters to Sterling Moss, who answered me very nicely. He said, my goodness, you've got a nice toy collection. Wow. That is <laughs> yeah. very cool. That was cool. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm still in contact with uh, Sterling Moss, or Sir Sterling Moss now. It's very, uh, very gratifying. I was also making magazines, cutting pictures out of road and track and some of the early magazines like Auto Age. This is before even sports cars. Uh, Illustrated came along and pasting them in a little book and making magazines and so I like to think that I'm not doing anything different now than I was in 1954. So uh, two years later, I knew so damn much about sports cars, or I thought I did, uh, that the school principal decided to put me on a TV quiz show 
and it was a quiz show for kids. It was a local TV show. Oh, wow. And at 13, and this is a neat story that I love to tell, I met a guy. I had a Strombaker racetrack. My parents bought me that, and it was one of the first ones in the state, probably. We lived in a small Midwestern town. I was in the hobby shop looking at this electric Porsche 550 Spider. Next to me was a guy in his 20s, and he was looking at the same car, and he said to me, hey, you see that Porsche there? I said, yeah, I really want it. He says, I've got the real thing. Oh, wow. And I looked at him. This is in a small, like say, Midwestern town that I has yet to see a Volkswagen, and this guy's <laughs> telling me he's got a Porsche 550 Spider. Wow. You know, this is in the days of people polite, were very polite, so I didn't say anything, And but he could see the disbelief in my face, and yet he knew that I knew Porsches. And so he said, well, come on, I'll show you my other Porsche. And he takes me into the parking lot, and there is a beautiful 1957 Porsche 356A Coupe. Nice. And he says, well, come on, get in. I'll give you a ride home. So he gives me a ride home. He meets my parents, and he says, I've got a Porsche Spider. I'd like to give your son a ride in. And my parents, being crazy enthusiasts anyway, <laughs> said, sure. Yeah. And two weeks later there, in our driver was a Porsche Spider, completely set up for the road, except it was completely open, you know. Right. And he took me for this ride around our curvy Skyline Boulevard, which was very, very oh, <laughs> scary and, and yet uh, just a tremendous experience. And, and this from, you know, in the 50s in a small Western town, you can imagine the effect it might have on, on somebody. Big effect. Uh, a few years later, I get my driver's license. By 17, I have my first car, which is a Mini. My dad takes and builds an intake, a double intake manifold for, so we can put on two SU carburetors. And then I went autocrossing, and by 18, I was the editor of our local sports car club newsletter. And that followed with college and then Vietnam, and I saved up enough money to buy my first uh, Alpha, which was an Alpha Sprint bulging. Nice. Well, car guy for sure going back, and what a great impression. It's wonderful when people who have cars take the time with kids and share their vehicles because it does set the hook, if you will, in people. The same thing happened to me when I was young. And all of a sudden, not only an adult's paying attention to you, but they're sharing their passion with you. And that's absolutely fantastic. Let's move ahead a little bit before we talk about some of the questions I have for you today. But VelocheToday.com, how did that get started? Well, that's a long story that I can <laughs> sort of explain as we go along. But it got started as an offshoot of Veloce Press, which was the first print-on-demand, and that's a good story in itself. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start the show with a success quote. And this is something that's been instrumental in forming your life, your success in your life, and it's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Pete, I know you love to drive, so take the wheel. In uh, 1986, I was interviewing Denise McCluggage, who's, oh, well, she needs no introduction. Yes, she yes. Is, uh, one of, if not the finest automotive writer ever to set put behind a Ferrari, <laughs> but, or any car. For and Denise, if you're listening, I've been trying to get Denise on the show for some time. She's been, she's always so busy, but she will be a guest on Cars, yeah, but please go ahead. Oh, that would be great, and she's got so many stories to tell. And, in fact, that's what I asked her. I said, Denise, when are you going to write your autobiography? And she said to me, Pete, I write about other people. What I do is not important. What I write about, if I write about Phil Hill or Sterling Moss, that's what's important. Mm. 
And I've always, you know, I sat back and thought about it. Well, yes, of course, but that's a real philosophy to actually subliminate yourself to what you're doing and let the other person, just like you're doing, mm-hmm. uh, let the yes. other person become important and not put yourself out. So she never, and she, to this day, she's not written an autobiography. Mm. She uh, writes about other people. So I always tried to keep that in mind as I went down my path of being a, an automotive journalist myself. I was very much inspired by Denise and what she, uh, what she had to say. Yeah, she's a wonderful lady. I had the pleasure of sitting next to her in the judge's booth at Monterey, Pebble Beach Concord this summer, and got to talk to her and get to know her a little bit more on a personal level. And fantastic, just a wonderful lady. That's why I want her to be on the show so badly. Let's move forward in your journey. I'd love to hear you share a story about what instigated your passion for cars. And you may have already told us that with this 550 Spider, but tell us that pivotal moment that you can remember when you really knew you were a car guy. Well, actually, the pivotal moment in my career, and in my career has been various things, really, because I've been a mechanic, I've raced cars, I've bought and sold cars, uh, rode about them, rallied them, wrecked them. (laughs) (laughs) But but the pivotal moment in my entire life, because we would not be having this conversation if it weren't for my wife. Ah. She was the pivotal moment. After I got out of the Navy, uh, I went to work for AT&T, I got... uh, 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 got married, and when I decided to try to write professionally instead of just for club publications, Mary decided that, well, listen, you need a photographer. Why don't I do that for you? So suddenly, I had a photographer to accompany me to all the events, to all the interviews, to all the, the cars that we had to photograph and that we had lined up, and she would do the photography. So editors out there in the various magazines had a, a team. They got the photographs and a text at the same time and she really did a super job and so uh, I would not have been published in so many magazines I'm sure if it hadn't been for her photography he did it all and then she got to the point where she was so good she uh, was doing work for automobile quarterly and did that about for about 10 years and then she decided to move on and do other things so I concentrated on writing books but when she was doing active photography, she would be volunteered to shoot sprint car races from the back of a f- open Ford Bronco. She got up on roofs. She got uh, on the top of our Suburban while we are going down the road photographing Alfa Monzas hmm. uh, just to get that perfect shot. She was absolutely fearless and yet scared to death at the same time, <laughs> as she tells me now. Well, wonderful. And her name is Mary, right? Right. Yes, fantastic. Well... I've heard this story repeatedly from many guests, uh, male guests, that there is a special strong woman in their life that has enabled and supported and pushed them into their field of passion. I interviewed Vic Skirmitz, who is known for 356 Porsches, racing them and repairing them and working and restoring them, and his wife Barbara is a good example. And I could say names over and over and over again. So you're a very fortunate man. Oh, absolutely. So, Pete, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and really crawl under the hood and get our hands a little dirty and ask you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced in your career. But more importantly, share with us how you overcame that situation and what you learned from it. Boy, and we were just talking about that, I think, a little bit before our interview. And the biggest challenge to me, and a business challenge, mm-hmm. is once I created Veloci Today 14 years ago, with two other people. I'm not going to take the credit for doing it all. Uh, The point 
was then to say, here's an online magazine. It's going to do basically the same thing as other magazines, but in a digital format. How does one monetize this? How does one keep it going? How does one do that in an area of beliefs? There's an overhead belief that the Internet is free, and that's great. Uh, we, we love Google. We love Wiki. We love the freedom of the Internet. But on the other hand, we pay our authors just like a normal magazine does. We have overhead costs. Right. And and I don't take a salary because I love what I'm doing, and you're never going to make much money at this. But about three years ago, to overcome this challenge, we decided, well, we were getting a lot of donations. You have to have uh, multiple income streams to run a website. For example, you might sell things, you might do donations, you might do subscriptions, uh, you might do ads, but basically you've got to do you've got to do multiple revenue streams because mm-hmm. it's inconsistent. You have ads one month and then nothing the next. And so three years ago, we we began to offer premium subscriptions where people would be able to uh, support Voci today by buying a subscription for one year or six months or one month, and that's been extremely successful. Uh, not as successful to the words I can say. Oh, we're we're doing a great business, but it, it more than covers the costs and it's growing. And not only that, it's gratifying because people don't come to Veloci today to look for car prices. We're not in the business of uh, following the car auctions or telling them how to buy classic cars. That's well done by other people. People come to Veloci today to read about. Well, they love Graham Gauld when he writes about Henry Manning III. Michael T. Lynch, who you've had on your program, yes. uh, writing, writing about Canetti's Ferraris. Gisbert Paul Burke on Panhard Art and French Cars. He, he, he's an old editor from way back in 1955. And tremendous experience. And Wallace Wies on The Joy of Beater Ferraris. These are one of our most popular articles that we've had. Uh, Roy Smith on Alpines. Uh, Alessandro Gorelli from Italy, who's been with us since 2004. All these people just make Veloci today, and people come to Veloci today to read those people, not to find out the price, the current price of their car. Sure. And that's what's gratifying. Well, it's a great story and great for the listeners of Cars Yeah, because I like to think that we're reaching automotive enthusiasts, of course, but also entrepreneurs, people that wish they could wrap their passion for cars into their vocation their life and so forth. And that's what you've done here. And it's it's a wonderful story to share, certainly as a challenge. I understand it with Cars yeah, being so young in its life here, just four months old. I just I told you in our pre-show chat, I just got my first sponsor this week. And that was very exciting for me because while it won't pay all the bills, of course, but it's a start and it's a validation, just like you've experienced, a validation that the concept or the idea that you're doing is real and has some possibilities. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. Pete, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum and share a story with me that when you really had an aha moment with your website, velocetoday.com, and that time when you really realized, you know what, I think this might actually make it as a, a valid business and not just a hobby. Could you tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success? This is interesting too because it has to do with the digital revolution and the digital revolution affected publishing editing and writing and photography absolutely turned it upside down and we lived through this and we grew with it 
And so we have had three aha moments, really, that all are concerned with the digital revolution. And the first one was in 1986, when Mary and I were working for Ford Haycock. He had just established vintage motorsport, and he had decided to do desktop publishing, which is probably something that nobody even remembers anymore today. But back then, it was an entirely new concept, so new that it got a feature in Time magazine, and Ford was mentioned in Time magazine, which gave his magazine a huge boost. Mm -hmm. At the time, then, to affect this desktop publishing, he sent myself and Jeff Allison who was another writer of his, and is still a friend of mine, a Mac 512. Now, up to that time, we'd been using typewriters, paper, uh, wipe, white out, and everything else, and mailing manuscripts off. With the Mac, you, we could do it on a disk and send him the disk, and then he would send that to his publisher. That was all part of the desktop publishing scenario. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, we were into the computer revolution, participating in the desktop revolution right there with Ford and it was just awesome. But not only that, I was working for AT&T, right? This is the biggest corporation in the world, biggest telecommunications company in the world, and I was working in Washington with them. And um, I was designing networks for DuPont and and General Electric. Uh, These were the precursors of the Internet. They were packet-switching networks, private line networks for these major companies. I was designing them, and I was able to put them on my Mac, why I had to put them on my Mac is because AT&T at the time did not have personal computers on everybody's desk. Oh, wow. Little, yeah, this is a long now, time. Yeah, now, now we are dating ourselves. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But this was the start of the digital revolution that was just tremendously awesome. So I ended up drawing out DuPont's networks on my Mac 512 given to me by Ford Haycock for Vintage Motorsport for AT&T. Wow. And, yes, it was just a, a real aha moment. Uh, another one came along just a few years later, 1999. I had published several books. We had been published in all the magazines. And, you know, as the turn of the century came along, I didn't really know where to go. Uh, the Internet was brand new. Uh, and I get a call from the West Coast. Stephen... Glenn and Allison Reed wanted to know if I wanted to uh, republish my old Abarth Buyer's Guide and a POD concept. POD, print on demand, was something very new at the time. Mm -hmm. So I bought back the rights of my book. We took the book apart, we scanned it, and made a POD out of it. Then we made a company, Veloci Press, to publish uh, my book and several others by Dick Merritt, uh, Floyd Clymer Books. Uh, and several others, uh, and we established a company. Within two years, it was a going concern, and we decided to meet at Monterey, where we would launch Veloci Press. But at the time, I had never met Stephen Glenn or Allison Reed. They were on the West Coast. I'm on the East Coast. We had never exchanged pictures. So I asked Stephen, hey, when I get out to Monterey, what do I look for? What do you look like? You know, hey, <laughs> yeah. I've never met you. Mm-hmm. And he says, wow, Pete, just look for the guy with the mohawk. The mohawk. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> uh right. Uh, but he didn't really have a mohawk. It was just funny, and it was an indi- indication of that you could start a company, build it up from square one, and never meet the person that you're dealing with. Yes. And that's, that was the way of the world back then. It's fairly common today, but it wasn't uh, in, in the year 1999. Well, I know. And isn't that isn't that amazing? I don't think we have a full grasp of the total meaning of the digital revolution yet because 
things happen so quickly, and when things happen so quickly, it's hard to get a handle on it. Just you and I discussing just a few years ago, there was no Internet. There was no Google. There was no digital camera just a few short years ago. And to live through this revolution was not only mm, it was inspiring, it was great to be a part of. I enjoyed it, and I continue to enjoy it. Uh, and uh, another aha moment came when we decided to do an Internet site as a part of Volochi Press. said, hey, we've got to publicize this. We can now use the Internet to build a website. And so Volochi Today became one of the first websites ever to uh, feature cars, and it uh, started out to be a, a daily thing, uh, Volochi Today, and just have little uh, blurbs on Italian cars, and we went to a weekly concept. And since 2002, we've been publishing stories about Italian and French cars, every single week fantastic and, fantastic and, and my, my background my technical background with AT&T really helped because of the network design sure. uh, and then using the Mac 512 and then in 1998 I went to work for Telabs and they provided me with one of the first digital cameras this is the kind that you took a floppy disk and you put it in the back of the camera and then you took some very low resolution pictures with it it took forever to uh, take, but uh, that was the first digital camera, and that was another revolution. So yeah. it's been interesting. Very cool, very cool. Could you share with us what your proudest business career moment has been? It's analog. Analog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. where, where my, since since uh, 1995 or so, everything's been digital, but my proudest business moment is, goes back before that when in an analog environment where uh, you had to make a business decision, even though it's a part-time business. I was working for AT&T, but I was writing constantly on the side. And I was writing for Car Collector. We just moved to Washington, D.C., and I said, I would like to write an article about Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Jr., because he ran an, a race team racing A-Bars in the 50s, and he owned a Fiat dealership and Jaguar dealership in Washington, D.C. for many years, but very few people knew about this. I said, I want to interview him if he's still around. So I was a cub reporter for Car Collector, but Don Peterson there backed me entirely, and I picked up the phone, called the White House, in those days, you could call a White House operator, and they were a wealth of information. You could find out almost anything by talking to a White House operator. I found out uh, she, I told her what I had in mind. She put me in touch with the Roosevelt Library. They called me uh, while I was working for AT&T and said, yes, we'll put you in touch with Mr. Roosevelt. The next thing I know, I get a call from uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Jr., who's the president's uh, fourth son, I believe. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, yes. And the next thing I knew, well, we were uh, making plans to go visit him in his farmhouse in Poughkeepsie, New York. Wow. And boy, if that didn't take some courage. Here I was, I mean, nothing. You know, I'd been done a bunch of car club publications and wrote a little bit for Car Collector. And I was on my way with Mary to go photograph and interview the president's son. Very cool. And, Very cool. and, and to be able to, to do that, that was a pivotal point because we decided, both of us, to to have the courage to do it, follow through on it, and she came back. Oh, what a great story about that was we walked into the FDR Jr.'s house, and uh, he was expecting us, but he was expecting somebody uh, with cameras and a team and tripods and umbrella and lighting, and Mary comes in with a 35-millimeter camera and natural lighting hmm. and just floors and say, what, is this your photographer? Yes, sir. <laughs> and she came back with absolutely tremendous pictures of him. Oh. And Spectacular. Very yeah, nice. it, 
and, and that gave us both the confidence to move forward in the world and interview the John Surtees and the David Letterman's because after that, everything was a yeah, little bit easier. Everything was pretty easy. Yes, sir. Let's have a little fun here. What was your first really special car? And could you share a memory you had with that vehicle? Oh, absolutely. Well, it's hard because I've had so many, and I had to think about it, but the first really special car we had was an Alpha 2600 Zagato. Mm. Now, that's that's not the 1600 Zagato or the later Zagato. This is a 2600 Zagato. It was really a beast and so unusual looking that it just struck you like a praying mantis about to <laughs> leap. That's how one friend described it. Anyway, when we found it, uh, we had to do some research on it. We only found one picture of the car. It was in Frankfurt Show in 1965, and we found it in Road & Track. It was so rare that even I, as an alpha enthusiast, boggled my mind. And we had to pay a small fortune for it, uh, $1,800. <laughs> and then we drove it back and forth to work every day for a couple of years. So that was really a special special car for us. Yeah, sounds like it. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle that you've let go that you really wish you could have back? Boy, that's a tough one. Again, we've owned so many cars and we don't regret really selling any. On the other hand, if we had been able to keep them, how much better off we might be. My Dino 246 Dino, Dino. Oh, uh, gosh, Alpha, yeah. Alpha Sprint Special, an Alpha GTC, that's the GT with the top, the uh, with a convertible top. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bandini, Abarth Zagato, Lancia Flavia Zagato. The list goes on and cool. on. Yeah, it's painful <laughs> sometimes. I always apologize <laughs> for bringing that question up. <laughs> I know, yeah, it is painful, but it's not really because we worked on them. We drove, If they weren't an out-and-out race car, we drove them on the streets. We licensed them. We enjoyed them. Yes. We participated in life with them, and, and they weren't garage queens. Wonderful. I love that. Is there a current project that you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? Every day is something new, and that's what I love about Loach today. But right now, we're sort of experimenting around with videos and mini-documentaries. Mm-hmm. It's just so much work, but we hope to do a few of those. We want to continue to create new stories for our readers and increase the list of our authors and then we're working on publishing books. We published three small books in the past in their little magazines. So we may be backing into the news, the, the print media, because this is really weird. We started the Day to get away from the print media, mm-hmm. and now we're sort of backing on into it, because why? It's still there. Yeah. And people like something that has more of a um, reality to it, sure. even yet today. I understand. Uh, you know, back then we thought that nobody would be reading books in 20 and 10, 15 years. But here it is 10, 15 years later, and books are selling better than ever. Yes, so, thank goodness, thank goodness. I love books. Thank goodness, yeah. Yes, that's wonderful. Now, here's a fun question for you, Pete. If you were a car, you're a car, not your favorite car, but if you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? Oh, uh, I were a car. And in today's world... Well, we're oh. here today, so it's going to have to be today, yep. Okay. <laughs> well, cars are a little bit different today. As I was telling you, you know, we used to drive them, work on them, race them. Nowadays, it's a little bit different. My gosh, if I were a car today, I'd be worked on by people who probably didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> I'd be sometimes scratched and dented. Wives would get jealous about 
(laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. That's the first I've heard that. (laughs) We'd be left in a dark garage for months on end. Dogs would pee on my shoes. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Car nuts might drool on my paint. Judges would hate me. (laughs) Now there's an interesting perspective. And I'd go from hand to hand while being prayed for something I'm probably not, while making my owner rich. (laughs) No, I don't want to be a car. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. Now, that's a very unique answer. Thanks for sharing that. All right, we're up to the last lap here, Pete, and this is where I fire off a series of questions, and you give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you buckled up and ready? (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm still here. Okay, (laughs) you're still, thank goodness. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Marry the right girl. (laughs) Oh, that's wonderful. I like that. Could you share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success? Uh, Hard work and passion. Follow your passion, just like I've heard many of your other interviewers. Yes, yes. Hard work, perseverance, passion. Those all come together to help greatly. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners that you're really fond of? Maybe it's a website you go to or a blog you receive, other than Veloce Today. Yeah, I've been working with a guy named Jeff Hacker. It was sort of like an energy energizer bunny. I mean, his guy's got a tremendous amount of intelligence and, and energy. And he has created a site called ForgottenFiberglass.com. Mm. And it's about all the great cars that were built after World War II by the last generation, basically. The fiberglass specials. And he has just done all this original research on what happened to the Victress, uh, included in that would be the Devon. But there's hundreds of other cars that were made and produced in that era that are just wonderful examples of American do-it-yourself and uh, American know-how, combining the designs of Europe with the American undercarriage. Uh, And Jeff has just done a wonderful job, and I I tell tell everybody I see now just, you know, Check out his site, ForgottenFiberWaz.com. Okay, well, I'll have to give him a call. He sounds like somebody that would be an interesting guest for Cars, yeah, but that's a new site to me, so I'll make sure that we post that up on your show notes page. Now, you're a reader, so how about books? Is there one book that you could share with our listeners that you're really fond of? It's really tough because I have uh, you know more books than cars. <laughs> sure. <laughs> But, you know, and you tend to remember the last book that we, you've read. Mm-hmm. But in this case, I think the best book this year for me has been Lancia and De Virgil at the Center. It's by Jeff Goldberg. It's it's the life of uh, De Virgil as he develops the Lancia V6. And it puts him very personally in the context of the times. He has access to all the family material and photos. Uh, he worked with Lancia, and he's a Lancia owner himself. It's a tremendous book. It's published by David Bull, and just the best thing I've read in a long time. Ah, David does a great job. He was one of the very first guests here on Cars. Yeah, wonderful guy. And his books are absolutely fantastic. I've got most of them on my shelf. I would love to have them all, and he's doing a great job. So I'll remind our listeners that you can find links to all these wonderful resources that Pete has shared with us today at carsyad.com slash PeteVac. How about hobbies? Do you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars? Oh, I try to. I do a lot of reading, and I love to read history. I love jazz. And I especially love, you mentioned you were going for a walk today. I walk every day, but I walk in 18th century Williamsburg. Guess what? There are no cars. (laughs) (laughs) It it takes you back to the 18th century, but it it 
all you got to do is avoid the horses. <laughs> yeah, there you go, and what they leave behind. <laughs> and what they leave behind, exactly. But it's it's a uh, very it really gets the cobwebs out of the mind and gets you away from the cars for a while. It is. It's good to get up and move and get the blood flowing. It's a great habit to have. So, Pete, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a real doozy for some people, especially automobile fanatics like us. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, and this is something that you can't sell to buy a bunch of other cars with, so that little trick's off the table, and money's no object. Today, I'm going to buy you whatever you would like. What would that vehicle be and why? It's really lucky, and I have to sort of preface that by saying I've been lucky enough working at Ferrari of Washington to drive most of the Ferraris. Uh, with uh, David Letterman, I drove early 212 on a Ferrari Super America. Uh, for Forza, I drove Daytonas and GTCs, and of course, I had three Ferraris myself. So, uh, really jaded, if you will, mm-hmm. but it comes back to uh, probably one car that I loved from my youth, and that's a Ferrari 166mm, a Berlinetta Coupe. Oh, I, okay. Yeah, and Barchetta would be nice, but I like the lines of the coupe a lot better. And uh, it's one car I haven't had, and <laughs> probably never will. Well, they've gotten quite expensive, that's for sure. What is it in particular about that car that really tugs on your heart? I think it was one of the first early Ferraris that was a really tight Grand Turismo coupe. The lines were startling, and yet it was able to do things like place well in the million million, or in fact, win the million million in 1950, I believe, 51. It just was a perfect Ferrari for the era. Beautiful car. Great choice, great choice. Well, Pete, you've taken us on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories and sharing some time with you and learning more about Veloce today. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with me and with the Cars Yeah listeners. Could you please give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that old vintage Ferrari? Yes, just go to VelociToday.com. Ah, okay. That's a great piece of advice, and I'll, I'll let our listeners know once again that you can find links to all of these great resources that Pete shared with us today at carsyeah.com. And is that the best place to find you, Pete? Is it velocetoday.com? Yes, sir. Okay. Do you guys have a Facebook page as well or just the website? Uh, Facebook page as well. Okay, great. I'll make sure we list all those on there. When I found your site and started uh, getting your uh, emails in the mail, it was just so much fun and I appreciate you answering the phone when I rang and said, hey, let's talk cars and and be a guest on Cars Yeah. And I want to thank you for being so generous with your time, your expertise, and for sharing your experiences and stories with our listeners. It's been a lot of fun. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!